0: You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. You can take your Bibles and you can turn to First Peter chapter. First Peter chapter four. We're still in chapter four of First Peter, and we're just thankful that we can. Uh, Be in God's Word together today and thankful for the last weekend that uh, we had it off, Charlotte and I, and uh, so thankful for Brett and Chrissy and the team of people who faithfully serve uh, the body of Christ here, those that are up front, those that are behind the scenes, those that are part of the service, those who are working during the middle of the week, and, and, uh, and, and we're settling in nicely, I believe, to our new office and recording area here. And again, we are so thankful for the crew of people who work diligently and hard in order to make uh, this so accommodating for us. And, and yes, it is a smaller space. But it's incredibly functional, and we're making it work, and we're so thankful. And uh, and 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 we're also—I'm just so thankful to be your pastor. I am just just so privileged to be a part of this church. Of Hope Bible Church here in the Okanagan, and, and, uh, and just is so encouraged to hear and to see many of pe- many people gathering in groups, whether that be on Zoom or in person, to study and learn and, and be accountable and pray together, so important, and, and uh, just thankful for technology that people can join in from all over the world. Got to see Dwayne's lobster red vitamin D enhanced face uh, from Costa Rica at the men's prayer time on Thursday and uh, and, and it's just so good that he could zoom in and be part of that with us and, and and wherever you are we just encourage you to take advantage of what we're able to do and through technology and through Uh, various mandates. And and I'm so thankful for all the leaders and for our our group leaders. Um, Just a shout out to you for your adaptability, for your leadership, for your care that you desire to give to those in your groups. And so just very thankful, a heart of thanksgiving today. And, and so let's get to God's word. Remember here in 1 Peter chapter 4, um, the entire book of 1 Peter was written to Christians in Asia Minor who were facing mounting persecution because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And in the years that would follow, Emperor Nero would come against God's people. He would come against the church and he would come hard. And he would come in some very brutal and some very sick and very horrific ways. And so Peter is writing to the people. He's writing to the church. He's writing to Christians. He's preparing them. And and these were timely words that they needed to hear then. And I believe in so many ways these are timely words that we need to hear as well as God's people. And so let's pick it up in verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 4. And it says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another Earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen, as He brings this section to an end. Now, we spent two Sundays, we spent two weeks on verse 7. And you can go back and you can listen or you can watch those messages, and and it kind of the whole theme of of those messages, where the end of all things is at hand, and how we must be ready, we must be waiting, we must be working for the day that Jesus Christ returns, or the day that He calls us home. And today we're going to look at this section, in these five verses, verses seven to eleven. So we're going to kind of visit verse seven again a little bit, and and look at it all in one chunk together. These important verses, and and this in. Entire section could be summarized, in, and it's the title of our message today. I encourage you to write it down. Jesus is coming back. Get to it. Jesus is coming back. Let's get busy. Let's get going. And here we see some very clear commands that are to prioritize and to to, to make us stand out. These are the things that we are supposed to be progressing in in our lives. And and even in verse 8, he he makes the one statement there, above all, first things first, prioritize this. And and so he's very intentional about this. Because you know, at times, we can wonder, you know, what's what's God's will for my life? What does God want for my life? You know what, there's a very simple answer to that. You might want to write this down. The will of God is the Word of God. You want to know the will of God? Then get to know the Word of God. And as we take specific passages like we have today, and as we desire to live these out in obedience, in faith, in, in, in the Spirit's power, as we are obeying the Word of God, He reveals to us in a greater way His will his ways for our lives. He makes our path straight. He reveals what those next steps are that we are to take in life. And so here is what we are to do. Jesus is coming back. Here is the will of God from the word of God for us and how we're to live our lives. And the first thing first is we are to pray with urgency. Get to it. Jesus is coming back. Let's pray with urgency. Verse 7, it says, the end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. He's saying, the end is near, get ready. And Peter connects nearness to the end, to the end of days, to the end of time when when, when the Lord will return and, and with the need for you and I, for God's people to stay focused in prayer. He says specifically, stay focused in prayer. And the messier and the harder that things get in this world, we must increase, intensify our prayer life. It mustn't be a a drifting or a prayer life that's becoming less and less. Personally and corporately, we need to light it up. We need to get going in this. We need to increase and intensify our prayer life. Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, verse 36, he said, stay awake, stay alert, because in the end times... Things will get more drastic, get more crazy, and we are to be prayerful. As, as we see things developing in our world and things are developing in our world, we are to be a praying people because why? Prayer builds spiritual muscle. It's so that you and I, so we, so we as a church can remain strong, so we don't get weak personally and corporately. We pray because there is great danger that is facing us. And one of those great dangers that is facing us, that has faced believers through all generations, but especially now even in a greater way as we see the end approaching, is that we can easily fall in love with this world. And when we fall in love with this world, we become spiritually dull. And the day of the Lord, His return, or death, one of those are going to come for, for every one of us eventually. And it will happen. It will happen, oftentimes, like a thief. We won't be expecting it. A thief in the night. And have we been wasting our time? Or yes, or even worse yet, are we unprepared for when he returns or he calls us home? Will we be unprepared? Will we be eternally destroyed? How about others around us? Our family, our friends, our classmates, neighbors, work associates? Well, they end up in hell, potentially, because we were too busy living out our mission, living out our passions, rather than living out what God has called us to be a part of, to be part of His mission and part of His work. We are to pray, we are told here, for strength to endure and escape the trap of spiritual apathy. You see, we have a world system. It's a common enemy for each one of us that is working so hard to conform us into the pattern of this world. Romans 12 talks about that. Do not be conformed by the pattern of this world, by the gods of the age. Instead, we are to be transformed. But it's so easy for us to drift. John Piper said it like this. He says, you do not drift into heaven. No one just drifts into heaven. It just doesn't just happen. He said, you drift into hell. And that's serious. And how do we stay alert? How do we stay aware? How do we stay awake? We pray. We stay in touch with the king, the king of the kingdom, who if you are in Christ, that's where your real citizenship, that's where our citizenship is. It's not Canadian, it's not U.S., it's not German, it's not whatever's on your passport. Maybe you have a dual citizenship. Well, if you have a dual citizenship and if you're in Christ, then you have, a, you have three citizenships. And Our ultimate citizenship is not Canadian, it's not American, it's heavenese. We, have been, we are part of the heavenly kingdom if we are in Christ. And that is the king. And that is the kingdom that we are to be building and it's the king that we are to be obeying and honoring. And he says sober-minded in there. Again, he, this is be in your right mind. Be aware. Be awake. Knowing that these forces are trying to put you out, trying to put us out of our right mind. Forces like addictive forces that want to inebriate your soul. Just like alcohol, drugs, weed causes you to disconnect from reality. And Peter is saying that we can become drunk, we become intoxicated with the world, and we start to become woozy when it comes to spiritual things. We start to get in the sway of the spirit of the age, and we get lulled into spiritual lethargy by entertainment, by personal ambition, by distraction, by busyness. And these things come to us, and they keep us from prayer. They keep us from communion with God personally and corporately with others. You see, we live in North America. We're busy people. We need to produce. We need to put out. We don't need to pray. We don't have time for that. Ain't got no time for that. People struggling in third world countries, they should pray. People who are in hospital who are sick, they should pray. People who are living on the streets, yeah, they should pray. I need to produce. I need to perform. I need to make a living. Folks, this, that's the greatest lie, and we're getting suckered into it. The greatest and most important work that we can do is when we, as God's people, are on our knees in prayer. It's when we join with other believers in explicit agreement, seeking the face of God. It's when we're seeking the face of God personally in our God time daily. And yet this drunkenness, this intoxication with the things of this world, it starts so innocently. You know, it happens to me. It can happen to each one of us. We skip our God time for a day or two. Not a big deal. No one's going to really know. We skip watching the service online. It's just, oh, we sleep in, we get busy. Oh, I'll watch it later. Never do. We skip the gatherings when we're able to meet physically. And, 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 and you know, whether that was back in the theater or at the multiple locations, just like, you know, other things have come up. Other things take priority. Really? Really? We skip group time, being together with others because we're busy. We skip prayer time with God and with, with, with ourselves, with God, or together with other believers. And we have excuses, and some of them are good. I'm not saying that, 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 that some of them aren't legitimate, because they are. Let's face it, most of them aren't. You say, I can't find 30 minutes in my day to pray, to spend time in God's Word. And, and I'd have to say to you, it's not true, because most of us can find 30 minutes if we just give up some of the other things in our life, some of the other things that we're doing, whether that be on social media, TV, even certain conversations, reading the newspaper, if you're one that reads a newspaper still. And, and, and we start making excuses, and we miss out on these things, we think it's not a big deal. It's not going to affect me that much. It's not going to hurt anyone if I start missing on these things. And yet we're wrong because this is part of this devastating drift, and and, and we start to become intoxicated by the things of this world when we run from. The things of God, and we don't prioritize our God time, our group time, our gather time, our give time. We get lulled into complacency so easy, and we become drunk with the temptations and the distractions. That's what Peter's. that's how he's likening it. How we just say, st- stay sober in our prayers, say sober in our living, because we can't become intoxicated with these things, the traps of this world. And we have to wake up. Church, we have to wake up. The Christian community... Nine months ago, was grieving the death of Ravi Zacharias. And today, the Christian community is grieving and the world is laughing at the devastating, dark side of a very sick man, a very spiritually sick man. How sobering and alarming and sickening to his victims and to his family and those who have been so greatly impacted by his life and ministry on the public side. But it shows that the heart can be so wicked, desperately wicked, God's word tells us, that there's hidden caverns in each one of our hearts, areas where we get lulled into thinking it's not a big deal. No one will know. It's just my little secret sin, it's just this little guilty pleasure. Men, you need men in your life, not your wife, not your fiance, not your girlfriend, not your drinking buddies. Not the buddies that you do sports with. You need godly men. And maybe, maybe the ones you do sports with are godly men. But you need godly men in your life, men, That are going to drive you to the word of God. That are going to drive you to accountability. They're going to help you to root out some of those areas, that, the areas of sin. Not some, all of the areas of sin in our lives as, as they are being exposed to us by God's spirit and through his word. Women, you need godly women in your life. It's dangerous to try to live it on your own. Again, rooting out the weeds of sin. We need that. And if you don't pursue this, if you aren't pursuing men, if we're not pursuing relationship with other men for accountability and, and, and sharpening one another, and ladies, you doing the same thing with other ladies, we're living dangerous lives. You need to be in a group. You do. Prioritize your week, your life your childcare, your work. So much is at stake. And yet we're out making money. We're out busy doing this. We're out playing sports, doing hobbies, running all over the place. And we can't spend time nourishing and, 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 and allowing God to do that work in our heart. Sign up today. You can sign up online through our online connection card. Get to it if you're not in a group. And if you're in a group, show up. Show up and be engaged. Look alive. Talk. Pray. Share, press into the growing, deepening levels of accountability with with, with men, with other men in your life, ladies, with other ladies, confessing and repenting and and, and finding that accountability. James 5 says that that we are to confess our sins to one another. Yes, God's word says we are to confess our sins to him, to to God, but we also confess, we share them to others and we confess, "I I stumbled, I struggle, I'm battling this. And it says, and we will be healed. There's a healing that comes through the accountability, through the sharing with one another. Folks, we need to take this prayer seriously in our group time. Encouraging our group time. Less talking, less sharing, more praying. Let's not, you know, give all the long version of the story and hog all the time or take that time uh, in your group and, and, you know, and then someone has a remedy of this and, oh, I had this happen and, you know, and it's not about praying for everyone all around the world. It is praying for, oh God, oh God, it's me, it's me, standing in need of prayer and how can your brothers and sisters support you in that? Let's be, let's be really on target on there, that we're getting after these things. It's so important that we be praying. Men, Thursdays, 12.15, Kelowna Glass, you can join us. Men praying for men to be biblical men, to be men of God. And we're doing this from 12.15, we're doing it for half an hour. Sometimes it goes longer because it's a sweet time in prayer as we hit our knees and we're praying, just, just, just praying for, for, for ourselves, for one another, and for the men at our church. Thursday night, we have Zoom prayer time. I mean, it's easy to just to hook on to that and to be part of that, and, 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 and these have been some sweet times, sweet times of prayer that, that COVID has kind of forced us or caused us to do, and, and there's a, a good side to all this because it's causing us to pray, but you know what? There's a bit of a problem. Many of you aren't there. Some of you used to be, and now you're not, or and, and some of you never have, and I, again, I understand some of you can't. Physically, you just can't make it. Some of you are at worship practice that night, and there's other things. I know that life happens, but we need to be carving these times out and making them a priority in our lives to, to gather with other brothers and sisters and pray and share and get after it together. You say, Oh, Melden, this is quite a Melden rebuke, isn't it? No, this is God's word to us. The church in the book of Acts, when they face desperate and difficult times, what do they do? They prayed. They got after it. sometimes nights of prayer. They just went to prayer, and they saw God show up, and they saw God work. And I think the church today, we're in some pretty desperate times, and we need to be praying. Desperate times call for some desperate measures, and we need to be urgent in our prayer. Oh, I pray that there would be a greater and a deepening urgency and and faith-filled boldness as we pray, as we seek God. And that's one of the beautiful things about corporate prayer, as we learn and we hear others pray and we join in with them and we agree with them, and it emboldens and gives us faith as we hear their faith that's rooted in the truths of God's Word. Jesus is coming back. Pray with urgency. Priority in our lives. Second of all, Jesus is coming back. We ought to love to the limit. Look what it says in verse 8, above all, priority, clear the table, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now this, he's Peter's talking about here, and he's writing this under the influence of the Holy Spirit, he's talking about ongoing, sacrificial, straining, exerting, all out, stretching, full capacity, everything you got to the point of exhaustion kind of love that we are to have. And this is a kind of love that we are to have not for ourselves, not just for our family, or our inner circle, not just for the people who we like or are fun or that we're trying to get in good with. No, this is for the body of Christ. This is specifically geared for and directed to the church. The love that we are to have for God's family. His bride, this earnest love that he's talking about. In the original Greek, we see this earnestness in this word. It is the word similar to a participant in a race. A race, and the racers, I guess you could say. I don't know if that's the right word. I'm just blanking out here. Uh, leaning into the finish. And here we say, see Usain Bolt stretched out look at the muscles bulging looks a lot like me when i run (laughs) yeah right and and still he's he's labeled as the fastest man in the world muscle stretch full exertion giving it his all that's why he's the fastest man in the world because he's pouring it on (laughs) i like this picture this is an actual race of the sec outdoor championship games in 2019 ironically this guy who's diving for the finish line his name is what a great name Infinite Tucker. Great name, hey? And, and this is a swan dive that gave him first place in the 400-meter hurdles, finishing .09 seconds ahead of the other guy there. The other guy was choked. I was reading about it this week. Amazing. And, and this guy, he, he, he said he lost the race last year, and he's like, I'm not going to lose. And at the very last minute, he, or the last few seconds, he saw, I'm losing it. So he did the swan, swan dive, and he made it. Now, how about this? This is the way that we're also, no matter the age, no matter how old you are, we are to earnestly, fervently love one another. Take a look at this guy. That's right. That's the way. Look at this. What's the caption there? This guy is out there getting it done. Why aren't you? Isn't that great? Look at this old dude. He's just running it even as well. This is for each one of us, no matter what kind of physical shape we're in, no matter how old in the faith or how long in the tooth we might be, we are to have a stretching love to the max. It's not a conditional love, it's an unconditional love, a love from the heart. And this isn't just a saying love, saying I love you and saying I love the body of Christ. This is a doing love, an action love. This is the word agape. Agape. And this is an agape is a love from God. And, and that's what it means. It's one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, listed in Galatians chapter 5. This is the kind of love, this agape love, this love from God that is described in 1 Corinthians 13. And it says this and it's on the screen love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But Where do we get this kind of love from? (laughs) Not from ourselves, because we have limited capacity. You see, our love is oftentimes a selfish, a stingy kind of love. And we don't have a huge supply of it. But God not only extends his love to us, but he also supplies it for us to be able to share it and show it with others. Take a look at Romans 5, verse 5 on the bottom of your screen. And there it says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is a pipeline. A pipeline of God's love that is poured into us by His Spirit. That's amazing. This agape love is is an endless supply. And as we daily walk and keep in step with the Spirit, And how do we do that? How do we walk in step with the Holy Spirit? By confessing and repenting of our sins, keeping short accounts with God, not grieving the Holy Spirit. By sins of omission, things that we've done, or or sins of commission, sins that we've done, or sins of omission, things that we know we ought to have done but we didn't do, and no one even knows except God and us because we, we have omitted in these areas of obedience and we confess those it's keeping short accounts with god it's not grieving his holy spirit and as we are emptied of this sin in our lives and we are confessing that and desiring to be right before god we ask his holy spirit then to fill us empower us strengthen us and with him there's that endless supply of power and strength and supernatural love let's face it we all have scars don't we we all have relational scars And sadly, we've all had sad and hurtful and disappointing experiences with others, whether that be with our family, with friends, in a work situation, in a church family, and even with church leaders. And we must understand that none of us are immune, first of all, from experiencing this, but none of us are immune either. We all have the ability to create nuclear relational bombs. We all do. In any friendship, in a marriage, in our family, with friends, within the church, we have the potential to create a relational bomb if we want to. And let's face it, hurt people hurt. Hurt people hurt others. And what Peter is saying is that as the end draws near, it's going to get harder to love one another. Jesus warned in Mark 13 and in Matthew chapter 10, he said that, that in the end times, brother will betray brother. Brother. People will, will turn on one another, even in the body of Christ. It's gonna get harder to get along. And ain't that the truth? It's happening. And we are being so stretched these days as the body of Christ in society, in families, in the workplace, within the church, even. COVID-19 is exposing so much. And here, here's what I believe is seeing what I believe is happening. Is COVID is exposing areas in our life and oftentimes sin in our life that has already been present, but now it's just bringing it to blossom. Example of this, Charlotte and I over the last few months have uh, watched a few episodes of Dr. Pimple Popper. I'm not sure if you've ever watched that show. It is so yuck. I mean, it is so disgusting. And yet you can't help but keep watching. Like, oh man, like, I mean, I can't shut it off. I just, let's finish this episode out. Is there another one? Let's record it. I mean, and this is quite something. I mean, as you watch people coming in to see Dr. Pimple Popper with these big growths, these cysts or bumps, and 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 growths on, on on their face, on their neck, on their arm, or their back. Don't worry, I'm not gonna show any pictures of this. Uh, and 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 they often and she asks, like, how often have you had this? And oftentimes replies, I've had it for years. But it finally got to the point where it's enough is enough. I got this big thing protruding out of my forehead or out of the back of my neck or growing out of my shoulder blade or something like that. And 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 it, it, it's painful, and people are noticing it, and it's just embarrassing, and I just gotta get rid of it. And and so now they finally do something about it. And I believe that's what COVID-19 is. Something is there. It's been on the surface. It's been there, bubbling. <laughs> and, and COVID is, is exposing, it's magnifying what's already been brewing and growing in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, in our attitudes. Things perhaps that, that have been there for years. But now it's metastasizing, it's bulging, it's oozing, it's popping out of us. And in many ways, it's gross, and it's, it's not pretty. And maybe what's popping and oozing and coming out of us, whether it's our mouth or our minds, our thinking, our attitudes, our actions, is a result of fear or pride or spiritual immaturity. We really don't know God's Word or anger or rebellion or having to be in control or having to be right or, or, or having to be heard and now it's like stomping your feet i don't know if i should be doing that here uh, i just did it uh, you know and just you know and 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 there's almost like temper tantrums that we're having that that you know i mean and we're weary and we're just emotionally on edge and it can expose a, a lack of a, or a weak faith or trusting god to rest in his promises and we're all getting jilted and jolted and the real problem the real problem that is facing Our world isn't the coronavirus. It's the virus of sin that infects and it spreads. And no mask. No ten masks, whatever, we've been told to wear by some or that some have kind of joked about. Um, No mask. No nothing on earth can spread, can stop the virus of sin. Only the cleansing power of Jesus Christ. And as the cleansing power of Jesus Christ floods and forgives and cleanses our sin, we are also then covered with His love. Brett and I met this past week with some fellow pastors and church leaders and uh, spent most of our time praying. Pretty much a a good hour of just praying and seeking the Lord together. It was so good. And before we went to prayer and afterwards, we all admitted we're tired, we're weary. as, As many of you are as well. And this is a hard season. This is a difficult season. People are upset. They're angry. They're angry in our churches. They're upset over decisions being made or decisions that are not being made. And to lead and to care for the flocks that God has entrusted to church leaders today, it's not easy that He's entrusted into our care. It's important. And we talked about people upset or people leaving or people kind of slipping into the shadows. Because either we're not doing enough or we're doing too much. And it seems He can't win. And it's being fully aware that that one day, and we talked about this this past week, that one day we will be judged in a greater way, in the way that we've led the body of Christ. And that we will stand and give an account to God and how we led and loved and cared for the church. And you will also stand before God and give an account of how you followed and how you lived your life. We will all stand and give an account before God. And we're all dealing with with, with people across the spectrum as as we compare notes. People with different convictions and theories and ideas and ideologies. From people who are concerned and fearful of the virus and and its effects on on people and society. To people who are concerned and perhaps fearful about the government and, and media. And everything in between. You have all of this going on. Even the pastor this week that was jailed in Alberta. Can you believe that it's come to this? And yet again as this has happened, the divide within the Christian church. Some saying it's persecution. Others saying, no, it's not. He brought it upon himself and boom, 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 everyone's going at it again. And we've all become experts, haven't we? And it's so easy to become unloving and bowl people over with where we think we're at and stating where we think it's at and we're not being loving. And this is wrong and this is sin, and we need to confess and we need to repent of this. And driving our opinions and our convictions and not doing it in a loving way. It's okay to talk and share and and that, but it's also understanding and listening to others. And rather, we ought to seek to understand one another and talking directly to them and not about them. It's desiring to understand, not convict, not convince. And what does it say here? Love covers. Love covers. This is a forbearance, an enduring love. Forgiving love that means it keeps no record of wrongs, as we read in 1 Corinthians 13. There's not an internal or an actual physical journal of all the wrongs that have been committed against us, the things that, the offenses that have taken place. No. God's love and the love that we are to have is not, it is not to keep records of wrong. It says love covers what? A multitude of sins. Now, now this is not saying that, that we atone for sin because none of us can do that. Only the blood of Christ can cover. His sacrifice on the cross is how our sins have been atoned for. But it means that we are not going to let sin hurt and destroy the love that we are to have for one another Yet yeah, things may not oftentimes, they won't be resolved. There's times where we will just have to agree to disagree and continue to pray for one another. There's going to be different perspectives and interpretations and views and convictions, but we can still love. so God's Word calls us to. And Peter is saying that a bona fide, authentic love and fellowship is based in part on the covering of many sins. But again, to be clear, this is not condoning sin. This is not sweeping it under the rug. It's not endorsing it. It's not keeping skeletons in the closet. It's not saying that church discipline isn't important because it is. But it is saying when we've done the confrontation, when we've talked it out, when we've had the discussions, even at times the arguments then the exhortations, we then cover it. We cover it with love. And whatever side we are on, we cover it with God's love. We don't murmur, we don't gossip, we entrust it to the Lord, and entrust ourselves to the Lord. But it's so easy for a root of bitterness to grow in our lives. And folks, we can't let that happen. Let's not let it happen on our watch. Let's not let it happen in your family. Don't let it happen in your in, in your group. Don't let it happen within the life and the ministry of this church. And this isn't simply about tolerating one another, not a fake and phony outward kind of love. This is a genuine, fervent, from the heart, love. Looking ways to love and to show that love through words, through kindness, through, through, through radical deeds. However the Lord leads us in that to show love. Loved ones, listen up. You gotta listen. If anything gets dropped as a priority in our lives because of busyness, because of distraction, because of tiredness, this is not it. He says, above all, we are to pursue this. This deep, continual, intense, stretching love. And look at it in verse 9. It says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. See, I'm grumbling because I can't have people in my home right now. i are not supposed to. Yes, we are commanded to do this. I talked to a church leader in another province last weekend. And he said that that their church uh, in their province, they weren't allowed to go to restaurants, coffee shops were all closed down, as well as they weren't able to have people in their home, and and, and at times they realize that there are needs, and people are struggling and suffering. And there is something special when someone in COVID, past COVID, whatever it is, when they walk across the threshold of the doorway of a home and you fellowship together. There's something that happens in a relationship, there's something about care. And so, this church leader said, there's times where we've just taken it where we have to do this. And everyone, again, different convictions and, and, and understanding in this. But we are to show hospitality. And as things, restrictions lift, we, we need to show hospitality. We need to invite people into our homes. We need to make up for lost time. But hospitality is more than tea and crumpets, it's more than sandwiches, it's more than a steak dinner, it's more than whatever you may enjoy in home hospitality, this is about making room for strangers. This is what the text is really getting at in the context that it is, that we are to make room for strangers in our life, people who we don't know, extending ourselves and not being clicky, not having our own little group of people. And, and, and so we invite others into our lives. We invite others into our groups. We invite others into our church, into areas of ministry, so that many people who are lost, who are discouraged, can be discipled and find community and friendship. And so we press on in this. It's going to press on us. It's going to be hard. It's going to move us out of our comfort zone. But we need to do it. It's God's command to us. And yes... Groups and people and getting to know them can be awkward. There's a lot of awkward people out there. And you're one of them. And so am I. But so we progress to this. and we, we, we march on. This is a command. This is something we're told to do. Jesus is coming back. Get to it. These are priorities. Pray with urgency. Love to the limit. Practice hospitality. Make room for strangers. Get into a group. And then third, we see serve in the Spirit's strength. Look at verse 10, as each one received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Now listen up, every believer in Christ, every believer in Christ, and that includes you, if you are in Christ, you have been endowed with a spiritual gift, a grace gift that is deposit, not a talent, a grace gift that has been deposited in you when you first came to faith in Jesus Christ. And usually it's in some sort of form of a seed. And just like a seed is small, it is delicate, and it needs to be placed well, it needs to be nurtured, it needs to be cared for, and it grows over time. And here Peter, he talks of serving gifts here in in, in, uh, verses 10 and 11. He talks about serving gifts, he talks about speaking gifts, And then you see some other passages, scriptures on the bottom of the screen, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, some other passages where other specific spiritual gifts are listed. And listen up, you've been given a spiritual gift, something that God has uniquely gifted you to be able to do, a, a, a gifting to bless the body of Christ for you to use and to share with God's family. And you take that gift along with other abilities you take your life experiences all together, and we roll up our sleeves, all of us, and we serve for God's glory. Take a painter, for example. Take a look at this. This is pretty cool. A painter has a palette. This is what it's called, a palette, and, and all the different colors um, that we have. And, and I got this from Yolanda. She's uh, one of the ladies, one of the families in our church, and, and, um, and she's a painter, and she does some, some really good work. And, and so she, she lent this to me, and don't worry, the paint is dry, but isn't that beautiful? Just look at the colors there. And, and, and each of these colors, they can represent you and me, and, and look at how they're kind of mushed together. They're kind of, you know, all joined together and, and, and creating other colors and, and that sort of thing, and, and it's all working together to make something really incredibly beautiful. Take a look at this. Trust you can see this. Now, it's a good thing it's dry pink because otherwise I might be tempted to add a few little, you know, uh, I don't know what could be added. Isn't this beautiful? What a beautiful painting. And and, and and see what happens is when you take all these different colors and you mush them together. I don't know if that's the right word, probably not painter talk. But you blend them together and you work this on a beautiful tapestry like this. It ends up becoming something beautiful that gives pleasure and joy. And, and what's the unique thing about Everyone's different. Every original painting is different. No one's the same. Just in the same way, every one of these color shades is slightly different. You and I have been made, created differently by God to serve Him. Every church is different in how He's gifted us. and We are just so blessed in in, uh, many ways as the body of Christ in this. And so as the painter makes something beautiful, God desires to make something beautiful out of our lives. He's the divine painter. And he places us, all the colors, on the palette. And then he works it together for something beautiful. And let's face it, over this past year, it's been so strange because not being able to gather in the way that we once did, and then we did gather for a season, which was awesome. But I believe that in so many ways it's, uh, we haven't had the programs and the ministries that, that we had prior to COVID. And we know that that's going to change hopefully soon. But we want to get moving and we want to get preparing for that. And we anticipate meeting again hopefully soon in our multiple gatherings. And we'd love to see Hope Kids in, in, in these locations so that the kids can have a time together and learn God's Word or some version of it in, in, in some regard. We, but we need a Hope Kids leader. We need other leaders and and, and site leaders to come along and serve in this. We need teachers and helpers. We've been kicking the tires and praying about a kid's midweek ministry program where we can better intentionally disciple our children. We need people to be involved in that. We need more help with our youth. We have an encouraging number of youth that are coming out midweek to their group. We need men especially to come alongside and serve in this whole host of other areas, worship tech, video, sign up to serve, all of these different things. You can go online. You can go on our website, and it's right on the front page, right near the top. It says sign up to serve. And there's different opportunities that you can say, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get busy. I'm going to get going on this. I'm going to get ready so that when we get ready and we get reopening again, that we're, we're flying on as many cylinders as we can as a church. And you say, but I don't know my gifting. and I don't know what my spiritual gift is. Well, here's some quick ways. We cover this in step two, and I'm just going to cover it really quickly. First of all, we examine God's word. We look at these passages that he gave you earlier in uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, here in in, in 1 Peter. We seek wise counsel. Ask those who are close to us, our group leader, people who know us, hey, where do you see my giftedness? Where do you see it fitting in the body of Christ? Meet with Brett or myself one of the leaders, one of the elders in the church Meet with Chrissy, uh, especially if you're a lady and and, uh, you want to meet with her, she would be able to encourage and and help direct you in that. Because oftentimes we don't see our own strengths. We see our weaknesses. We don't see our giftings. And how we can be used. But we need seek wise counsel. Do a spiritual gifts inventory. Now these aren't the be all end all. And there's one on our website. You can go on the resources section there. And you can do the spiritual gift inventory. Again this is not anything that is, is scriptural. Biblical as far as like. This is my spiritual gift. This is what this. I answered 200 questions. This is what my spiritual gift is. No that just kind of helps you. To perhaps land somewhere. Um, but even more importantly than that. Listen for the affirmation. Listen for the affirmation for others. As you serve, as you take steps of faith, as you are affirmed by others, but even by the Holy Spirit, does it give you joy? Is it something you enjoy doing? And and, and that's an affirmation in itself. Because our, our spiritual gifts ought to bring us joy and bring joy to others as we serve. And then fifthly, just get out and try something. Sign up to serve. Be willing, be available, be faithful. It's interesting that in this passage that Peter is telling us, These important things, because you know what? The sad thing is, in the midst of the craziness and the chaos of life, these can be the things that we can let go and think are not important. And the fourth thing that he tells us, and the final one is, we need to live for the glory of God. In order that everything God may be glorified, it says at the very end in verse 11, through Jesus Christ, to Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Folks, this is the Word of God to us. Supernaturally placed in First Peter, to struggling Christians facing growing and mounting persecution. And the Holy Spirit gave these commands to the people then. He gives them to us today. And so oftentimes, these are the things we abandon, we run from, we isolate. We kind of head for the hills. We don't do that. We stop attending, serving, praying. No, this is the time we, we bear down and we go harder at these things. And at times, we just want to quit because life gets hard. These things get difficult, but folks, Jesus is coming back. Let's get to it. I encourage you to bow your heads. And In light of God's word today, the question for you is, how are you going to respond? How's your prayer life? What needs to improve? Where do you need to get committed and plugged in? Who do you need to forgive? Who do you, who do I need to show agape love to in a very specific way? God's been laying it on your heart. I've got to show some love to that person. Where are you at in joining a group? Are you in a group? If so, be all there. If you're not in a group, sign up. And Where do you need to plug into and serve in the body of Christ? These are commands from God's word.